This is the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. Stablecoins have become a powerful feature of the crypto landscape. Consider that two of the 10 largest cryptos by market cap are stablecoins pegged to the US dollar. Tether is the granddaddy of them all and is backed one-to-one by the US dollar, though there is some controversy over whether it is fully and reliably backed by hard assets. It's the fourth largest crypto after Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Binance coin. Tether has a market cap of $73 billion and another US dollar pegged stablecoin called USDC is the eighth largest crypto with a market cap of $38 billion. So it's clear that one of the biggest growth markets in the crypto space is stablecoins. A recent addition to the South African crypto landscape is ZARP, spelt Z-A-R-P, which is a stablecoin pegged to the RAND. To explain why we need a RAND stablecoin and more importantly, what we can do with it, we're joined by co-founder of ZARP, Simon Dingle. Simon, thanks for joining us. Good to have you on. Can you explain what is a stablecoin and why these are suddenly having such an important impact on the crypto universe? Thanks, Kieran. Um, you know, as you alluded to in your excellent introduction, stablecoins are cryptocurrencies that are pegged to the price of an actual world currency. So that's fairly easy to understand. You can think of it as something akin to a Bitcoin, but whereas the price of Bitcoin is volatile, uh, in dollar or rand value, a stablecoin's aim is to keep its value pegged to the currency. So if we're talking about our stablecoin ZARP, then one ZARP should always be worth one rand or USDT, which you mentioned, should always be worth one dollar. So relatively simple in, in concept. People who are still battling to understand the utility or the use of Bitcoin might find it even harder to understand why we need a rand stablecoin like ZARP. Can you explain the logic behind this? Sure. So I think one of the the first use cases that comes to mind is as a hedge against the volatility that I mentioned with cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. So people may be investing in Ethereum or Bitcoin or other assets that are wildly volatile. And when they want to take profit, for example, they can do so in a stablecoin, which is still a cryptocurrency. Um, and they can store it the way they store their other cryptocurrencies, but they can kind of bank the value in dollar or rand terms. Um, and step out of that exposure they have to volatility of other cryptocurrencies. But there's a there's a, a kind of a broader set of use cases that come with making our fiat currencies compatible with blockchain technologies. There's no way for me to connect my bank account, for example, to uh, a decentralized exchange protocol or some of the other cool dApps that have emerged in the crypto or Web3 world. Um, whereas now we can represent, uh, you know, real world currency value in those domains. And there are a whole slew of use cases that come with that. Okay, so ZARP does have some unique features about it, notably that it's audited and it's verified as fully backed by hard assets. In other words, if you buy one ZARP, you know it's worth the equivalent of one rand. Why is it important? I'm talking specifically here about the fact that it's audited and it's verifiable. Well, it comes down to trust, Kieran, because the obvious question one should ask is how do we know that your, your cryptocurrency is worth one rand or, or, or rather, how is it worth one rand? Why is it worth one rand? And our answer is simple. It's because we have cash reserves where you know every one ZARP token in existence is backed by one actual rand in an account with us. And you don't have to take our word for it that 
that the account and our, our token balances are independently verified by auditors. So you've got third-party independent attestation. And all of that contributes towards the trust we want to build in our ecosystem, where people can be confident that they're dealing with um, uh, you know, a trusted entity who's audited, who's working with regulators as far as possible. Of course, regu regulation in, in this uh, domain is, is emergent in South Africa, so we still have a long way to go there. But um, you know, they, it, it, it's all about building, building up that trust and giving people confidence that, that we can really you know, say that, that one ZARP is worth one rand. I think a lot of people might battle with this whole concept of a stable coin. The people particularly who are battling, why do I need a Bitcoin? You can't really buy a coffee with it. You can't pay for your groceries with it. And nor, in fact, can you do that with a stable coin. So I think people might be battling to understand why they might want to own it. Can you explain that to them? I think we're building it for the people who have already answered that question, Kieran. So I, I'm certainly not here to try and, and sell ZARP to, to new users necessarily. Um, but people who are involved in the worlds of decentralized finance, for example, who are using uh, Web3 dApps already, let's call them the faithful, um, have told us that this is something that the world needs. Um, and we know this firsthand because the genesis of this project was myself and my business partners looking for a RAND stablecoin that we could use in our own project. So we had a need for this. Um, and all of that was in the decentralized finance world where you know, we imagine new fintech applications um, and new innovations in the financial world uh, coming from blockchain technology. But the one thing that was missing was a way for us to make the RAND compatible, if you will, with this new world. Uh, and we couldn't find a project that we thought, you know, met, met our criteria for a stablecoin. And that's why we started one ourselves. Um, so I think for a lot of people, blockchain is still a scary space. As you said, it's quite difficult for them to get their heads around investing in Bitcoin to begin with. And then there's a plethora of other coins and projects and NFTs and DAOs and, you know, some wild concepts that one has to first familiarize oneself with before the use cases for a stable coin become apparent. But there are some simple ones too. Um, so, so, you know, one activity that's quite common in South Africa in the crypto land space, which is controversial to some, but that's a discussion for another time, is arbitrage, um, where people are, you know, using RAND value to acquire Bitcoin offshore, for example, um, at, at a, a slightly better price than it goes for in South Africa, bringing the back Bitcoin back into the country um, and selling it here for a small profit. Um, and for arbitrageurs, being able to transport RAND value on the blockchain and between exchanges has several benefits. One of them is that they can operate outside of banking hours. So, you know, banks are notoriously closed before any other business in the afternoon. They closed over weekends. And that's fine. But it means that, you know, you, you, you can't bank outside of those hours, especially not if, you, if you're wanting to remit from one bank to another. Whereas with a stable coin, you can, you know, be making these trades 24-7 and over the weekend. So that's one obvious use case um, is, is just being able to transport RAND or dollar value, um, you know, seamlessly on the blockchain the way that you would other crypto assets and being able to do so whenever you want. Changing gear here a little bit, I think people might recognize your voice. You have a background in radio and, uh, you know, diehard listeners of Cape Talk and Radio 702 will probably recognize you <laughs> and your name. Tell us about that background. Yes, I, I had a, a relatively short stint uh, at Prime Media um, with shows on 702 and Cape Talk, but that was, sure, about a decade or so ago now. 
I also spent uh, a lot of time on 5FM doing the tech coverage in the afternoons um, every week. Uh, so, uh, yes, I've, I've spent some time on, on radio going back to my days at Tux FM uh, when I was a varsity student. Okay. Where can Zop be purchased? That's the first question. And are there plans to offer it on other platforms in the coming months? So right now we're working through partners. Um, that's been a strategic decision. Uh, so at the moment, the only place that the public can acquire Zop is from the OVEX exchange, O-V-E-X. They're the first exchange to, to list Zop. Uh, we're working with, with other exchange or potential exchange partners, and we hope to have Zop listed on them all as soon as possible. Uh, but right now, the best place to get it for South Africans is uh, OVEX, which is OVEX.io is the website. Right. And you are talking to other exchanges about listing there. Absolutely. Yes. We're, we're hoping to be listed on all of the major exchanges. Of course, that's up to them. Um, we, we see our role as building a trusted platform, uh, providing a token that people can really believe is worth one rand, doing so as transparently as possible and being a good player in the ecosystem, working along with regulators, banks um, and you know, other institutions as we all figure out this new landscape together. Is there a possibility that people could start trading stablecoin forex pairs like RAND US dollar or RAND British pound as an alternative to the more traditional forex trading pairs? I mean, the forex market, it's not a centralized market. It takes place between thousands of different banks and brokers, but it's reckoned to be worth about $6 trillion a day. So it's probably, I think almost certainly the largest market that there is in the world. Could stable coins eat into that market? Absolutely. And I think to, to a small extent, that's already started to happen, Kieran. You know, we see a future in which all trading is tokenized and represented on the blockchain and in DeFi. So that extends to equities, mutual funds, commodities, you name it. If it's got value that is traded, I believe it'll be tokenized one way because trading in tokenized decentralized exchanges is faster, cheaper, more efficient. It's available, you know, 24-7-365. So, you know, tokenized trading, once you've been exposed to it, is just better in every way. Um, and so so Forex trading, I, I believe, will be tokenized and move on chain uh, fundamentally too. Uh, this has already started to happen. So there's the Iron Bank protocol and the fixed Forex uh, feature of it, um, which is quite exciting. A DeFi project that um, in part is being led by Andre Cronier, who probably doesn't need much of an introduction to your listeners, um, but is, is really one of the, the prominent figures in DeFi globally. Um, and we're very proud that, that Zarp is part of the mix on the fixed Forex platform already. Um, it's also listed on the Curve protocol, which is really the backbone of the stablecoin ecosystem and, and more broadly DeFi at large. So uh, I absolutely think that you're correct. Uh, Forex trading is, is going to move on chain more and more. And uh, we hope to be, to be obviously one of the players representing the RAND value in that domain. And you mentioned OVEX a little bit earlier, and I do see that they have a lot of these, um, these Forex, these stablecoin Forex pairs listed there. So it's already starting to happen here in South Africa. Absolutely. You know, OVEX are, are very innovative and uh, have been quite prescient at predicting where things are going. So uh, I think that's quite a smart move from them. At what point do you think people will be able to purchase coffee and groceries with Zop? Yeah, that's a whole different kettle of fish. And, uh, you know, I think there's still a lot of work to do uh, from a regulatory framework perspective to enable uh, crypto payments, uh, you know, in mass retail in South Africa. Technologically, it's possible today, of course, 
Um, but uh, I think the you know we 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 need that regulatory framework that'll give the confidence to financial institutions um, and to big retail players to actually go ahead with implementing this kind of technology at their their proof of sale at their point of sales. Uh, there are obvious benefits to it, of course, um, beyond being more efficient. Depending which blockchain you're deploying this on, it can also be a lot cheaper. But it fundamentally sh- shifts things from a merchant perspective. In that right now, if you go and pay with your credit card, for example, at a big retailer, they have to carry the fees for processing that transaction, which of course are paid to the credit card networks or the big card networks um, for processing the transaction. Were you to make that purchase or make that payment using a cryptocurrency, of course, the payment would then shift to the customer. So the customer would be paying whatever transaction fees to miners on the blockchain, for example, to facilitate that transaction. So that shift is interesting philosophically and intellectually (laughs) um, for a few reasons. Firstly, if you're a large retailer, saving the 1% or 2% that you're paying towards card networks is not insubstantial as an immediate benefit to the bottom line. Um, But of course, as a customer, having to think about transaction fees on top of the price of your coffee or whatever it is you're buying, um, does bring uh, you know an extra thought process that that doesn't currently exist in our in our transactions as 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 the regime currently works. So um, there are lots of interesting questions to ask there and and opportunities to explore. But I think it all begins with a regulatory framework that paves the way for this to happen. Right, and of course the the, the fees are not insubstantial as you mentioned. I mean, if you're paying with a Visa card, they can be anything from three to five percent, mm. and settlement is only going to happen probably within three days after you make the purchase. So when you're doing it with a crypto market, settlement is pretty much immediate. Well, that's the interesting uh, thing that I think a lot of people just don't know because they've never been told about about how money works. We think that when we swipe our credit card at a till point, the payment happens immediately because we get an SMS from our bank immediately. But of course, all that SMS represents is a promise of payment that'll come later. So the funds have been reserved, but no money has actually moved in the background. And as you said, that settlement can take up to weeks to actually to actually clear to later date. Now, there are obvious benefits to that. If it was a fraudulent transaction, that gives you a window to speak to the bank and for them to step in and actually block the transaction. Terrible outcome for the merchant again. So it's all a matter of perspective um, because now they've, you know, essentially lost lost out um but but in the crypto world and and I, this is why i i always kind of grin when people say things like bitcoin is slow settlement happens you know when it happens on on the blockchain and that can be seconds up to minutes in bitcoin and even faster on some other chains that are optimized for it so when you're paying with bitcoin the actual value is moving in seconds potentially uh, more likely minutes but in any event, uh, much faster than it would if you were paying with actual fiat currency using your credit card, for example. Of course, the Lightning Network built on top of Bitcoin is an example of how this can happen almost in an instant. Um, but there, it's debatable as to whether or not settlement has actually happened because, of course, um, you're dealing in a protocol layer and there's value locked on the Bitcoin blockchain that'll move at a later date. And we don't want to get too technical about that. But yes, I think that is one of the fundamental shifts that's offered by um, payments with cryptocurrency. And it's fairly early days because Zarp has only been in existence a short while. But from what you're observing, who are the people that are buying it? 
Well, nobody just yet, Kieran, because we've just launched. So um, right now, the only people using Zarp are members of our teams and uh, our partners. Um, but that's slowly starting to to grow. So um, I'll be touching base with the OVEX guys again soon to see what demand has been like on their side. Um, but really, we only announced this project in the last couple of weeks. So it's early days. We're just launching. I think we see this as a grand experiment. Um, we've got lots of work to do. Uh, making sure that we're doing the right thing for our potential users, but of course, to make sure that we we are keeping lockstep with regulation as it emerges, that our banking partners are happy, et cetera. So, so right now, I, I don't know who our users are going to be. I have some idea. I have high hopes, uh, but time will tell. Okay. Just explain briefly the mechanics of this. So if this is going to be fully backed by RANS, um, somebody buys ZOP, let's say buys 10,000 ZOP, how do you ensure that that straight away is backed or is there some uh, is algorithm working in the background? How does it work? Well, right now, it's a, it's a fairly simple process. We have our treasury account where all the RANDs are kept that back the, the value of, of the ZARP tokens. So when RAND is deposited into that account by one of our partners, again, this isn't something we do direct to the public, um, then once we've verified that that balance is cleared into the treasury account, uh, tokens are minted accordingly uh, and sent to the address of that partner. Our smart contract works on a verification basis, which is basically means we've got a whitelist of addresses that are allowed to receive minted fresh SARP. Uh, no other address can receive it. Likewise for tokens being burned. So in that case, the, the whole process is reversed. A partner would send us SARP tokens. We would literally destroy those tokens on the blockchain, and then the actual RAND would be sent to them from our treasury account, um, and that would conclude the transaction. But right now, those transactions are happening in bulk between us and our uh, partners, um, whereas members of the public would be interfacing with an OVEX, for example, if they wanted to acquire the, the tokens. All right. For people who are a bit unfamiliar with this, the burning of tokens um, sounds a little bit strange. So essentially, I, I guess what you're saying is that somebody has purchased ZOP and then wants to sell them. You have to get rid of that ZOP. You've got to burn yeah, them. Yeah. So they're actually destroyed. Um, and I think this is a very important part of our setup. And one of the things that differentiates us from some other stablecoin projects is anybody can go onto a block explorer. So on the Ethereum blockchain, for example, you could use Etherscan, which is etherscan.io. You can search for our smart contract and you can see exactly to 18 decimals how many tokens exist on the blockchain at any moment in time. And you can go and independently verify that there are no more or less than those tokens in existence. Um, you can even click on the holders section of that website and see a list of all of the wallets and how much stuff they're holding. Um, so that makes it fully transparent. There's nowhere for us to hide tokens. There can't be more tokens in existence than are listed on, on that blockchain smart contract. Um, and then the question is really, uh, do we have the corresponding RANDs in a bank account? And that's where our third-party auditors come in to verify that information. And we, we're looking at working with additional partners to, to build in you know, uh, even more additional steps of verification required so that it's all entirely airtight and so that anybody out there with confidence can go and verify this information for themselves. Very exciting stuff. What other projects are you working on? We keep ourselves busy, Kieran. We've, uh, we've got a digital asset management platform called Venox, which is currently only available to invited private clients, but people can find out more about that at venox.io. That's V-E-N-O-X. We also have a portfolio management app called Lettuce, 
which is available at lettuce.money, like the stuff you put in your salad. Um, and we've got a few other interesting projects that we're looking at, but those are our, our primary focuses at the moment, if you can call three things primary. Great stuff. Simon Dingle, we're going to leave it there. Thanks very much for coming on and explaining the intricacies of ZOP and stablecoins generally. Thank you very much, Kieran. Always great to speak to you. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.